Well, I just want to say again, we are adopting Moody um, to start off with to be proactive in loving our, our city, but we love Waltham, and we love wherever you live and wherever you work, but this is an opportunity for us to, to come together to begin to um, live, live compassionate and passionate lives outside the walls of this church. And hopefully, those experiences that you are engaging in on these groups of two or three or more that are going to these establishments will stir you to do the same thing wherever you live uh, with your neighbors and those places around you to love them. If you were an attendee of last year's women's conference or women's retreat here at the river, can you just let me know if that was a good experience or not? Did you have a good time? Yeah? Okay, so I... I, I, drew, I drew the short straw to, to communicate this. There should be a Sarah, come up here. How great was that, how great was that uh, retreat, and what's going on this year? It was awesome, and this year we have something even more fun. Can I really get Yes, share? absolutely. <laughs> I'm thinking, why am I talking about it? Because you're going to do it a lot better than I am. She's from Namibia. Namibia, sorry, Namibia. Sorry. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. This this is the church. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you, Sarah. That was awesome. Next week, uh, we will. The Richmonds will not be here. We'll be heading out for April vacation. Um, you can pray for us as we drive to Florida. Ah. So, long road trip there and back, but we're looking forward to that. But I want to make sure that you don't skip out next week if you're in town because we're going to have an awesome Sunday. Our our training school is going to be um, leading out in that service. They're going to be leading the worship. They're going to be leading the sharing of testimonies and the preaching of the word. And then afterwards is our, it's probably our 15th or 16th annual cake auction. And so for those, yeah, thank you. You can do that again. All of you that love the cake auction, give me another whoop. All right. So cake auction is the opportunity for uh, us to give towards what's going on in missions with our with our community of churches, and specifically this year, we're going to be baking cakes and selling cakes to raise money for Engage the Crisis, which is our outreach to the refugees that are streaming into Europe. Uh, and uh, we will have multiple bases that Antioch is a movement will be hosting throughout Europe. Our very own local CFI movement is hosting a base in Dusseldorf, Germany. And so we will actually have some of our very own people, including the Prickets, who will be some of the team leaders, and they will be there for six weeks. Jason Torrance is leading a team uh, of, of 
you, whoever is, and there's people from our church and CFCF that are going to be going over on a short-term trip. He's going to be leading that. We've got youth from our church. Uh, there you go, Jonathan. Jonathan and uh, Grace and Joseph who are going to be going to be a part of the team in Berlin. So we have multiple people going. Um, we have people that are staying for two weeks to a couple of months all summer, some of them. And so this cake auction is going to be to raise money for <clears throat> our interns that will be serving long, either a month, two months, or three months overseas, as well as for the training school that's going. And so it's really important for our, our long-term our, 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 um, leaders of our, of our base there. So we are looking forward to a lot of cake buying next week. So come with an idea of how much you would like to contribute to engage the crisis, especially if you're a person who would love to go but can't, but would like to sponsor and help serve in that way by giving financially. That's your opportunity next week. Lastly, um, we are hosting a camp for the first time in a long time. It's not our first camp, but it's, a long, it's been a long time since we've hosted a CFI camp in the summer for all three churches to come together and worship uh, God, spend time together in beautiful, beautiful um, Toa Nippi, uh, which is in New Hampshire near Mount Monadnock. It's a beautiful area with a, uh, with a pond and wonderful outdoor activities. So we will be coming together this summer, the first week of August. There are brochures out um, in the, the guest area right when you come into the church. There's some brochures that look like this that you can look at, find out more information. Please sign up. It's going to be fun. The Richmonds will be there. You won't want to miss it. Awesome. When we started the church, when I say started the church, I'm talking about Community of Faith Christian Fellowship, which was the first of the three churches that we have started here locally, the River Church being the third church we started. But when we started the church in Brighton called Community of Faith 18 years ago, uh, God was on the move. Amen. We talked about God being on the move today. God was on the move then, and he's been on the move ever since. And I have a little secret to tell you. He's going to continue to be on the move until Jesus returns. And then who knows what on the move looks like after Jesus returns. That's going to be fun. But I want to tell you a story. As I was thinking about stories this morning, I, I thought about a story of a young lady named Mi Young. She was from Korea. She was... Uh, here, she'd been here just a couple of years um, on a student visa, and then she stayed around to uh, to work in a lo- local Korean restaurant. And she started coming to our church as a seeker, uh, meaning that she was uh, she had had experiences with God and Jesus, but she would not have called herself a Christian. And I was in the office at that time, the first office that we, um, uh, we rented up on Com Ave in Brighton, right near the train. Um, uh, where Chestnut Hill and Comav meet, we we uh, rented a little basement office in a in a psychology uh, an office filled with psychologists. Um, they thought we were crazy. We thought they were crazy. <laughs> and as I was praying one morning uh, in my office, uh, at that time we had about twenty or thirty people in our church. The Lord put me young on my heart, and I began to pray for me young. And I prayed God would reveal His heart to her. He would, he would, uh, that she would come to an understanding of who Jesus was. And as I prayed for her, I felt very distinctly that the Spirit of God said, well, how is she going to know unless somebody tells her clearly what it means to be born again? 
I said, well, I pulled that. Lord, Lord, would you send her somebody to, to just communicate the gospel today in a clear way so that she could be born again? And the Lord said, well, you, you are praying for me young right now, and I'm talking to you. How about you go tell me young about Jesus? I said, Lord, I mean, I don't know where me young is today. I don't have her contact information. Well, why don't you, you know where she works, don't you? Yeah, well, she, yeah. actually, Lord, she works like a couple blocks from here. Well, why don't you go and see if she's there? So I get out of my, leave my office, out of time of prayer. God says, don't just pray for her, but speak to her. And so I'm walking over there praying and asking God what to do next. And I get to the, the, the store and the store is closed. <laughs> well, I must have misheard, God. You just weren't clear enough. No, he says, I was clear enough, just beat on the door. Beat on the door, beat on the door. So I see some people walking around in there. So I beat on the door and wave my hands. They see me. They come towards me. They open the door. And I'm like, uh, I, I'm sorry. I, I'm not really wanting to eat, eat yet. I know that you're not open. I'm just looking for me again. Is she here? And they said, oh, actually, she is here. Would you like us to go? Like, like me to go get her? Absolutely. Go get me again. Would you like to come in? They invited me in. Miguel comes back from the preparation area in the back of the restaurant. And I do, as I only know what, how to do, I just went right to the point. I'm like, Miguel, I was praying for you in my office. The Lord said, go and find her and tell her about Jesus and how you can have a relationship with Jesus. Would you like to, to know more about how you can have a relationship with Jesus? She starts crying. She starts crying. And she said, you know, I was just calling out to God this morning, asking him, what can I do to know you in a personal way? How can I be saved? I share the gospel. Those kind of opportunities are very easy, by the way. You know, I shared with her what I knew. The Lord had already prepared her heart. She asked Jesus to come into her life, and her life was saved. For the next year, Miguel was our story. I told Miguel's story in church. I told Miguel's story at our missions conference. Everybody knew about the work of Jesus in Miguel's life. She was, a, she was a memorial to God's goodness in our church. <clears throat> I tell the story again to remind us that from the beginning of our movement, God has saved people with his gospel message of good news, that while we were still sinners, while we are still sinners lost in our sin, Christ has died for us. Since me young has been saved, there have been hundreds of people who have come to know the Lord through our church, churches in the area, and there's probably been thousands who have come to know the Lord through our teams overseas and the mission trips that we are taking just like this summer, where we have boldly gone and shared the love of Christ with those who have never heard about Jesus. I was also reminded this morning of another story of a, of a friend of ours. Her name is Tracy Priskinis. Tracy was uh, part of the church at the very beginning as well, around the same time as me young, and Tracy um, ended up getting into a car accident. And as I thought about this this morning, I actually texted her and I said, Tracy, I'm thinking about telling your story. Could you tell it better than I could? She texted me right back and she said, I would be happy. These are her words. I would be happy to share the details of my miracle. I was driving a rental car. My car had been stolen to work on a snowy, icy morning. I slid off the road down a bank and hit a telephone pole. I stayed at my parents' while recovering, and just a few days after leaving the hospital, we hosted a Super Bowl party 
and during halftime, you all prayed for me. After that night, I was able to get up and walk around without crutches. I felt great. I was supposed to have physical therapy for several more weeks, but I canceled the appointments because I was healed. We experienced the presence of God that night when we prayed over Tracy. She was healed by the power of God. And I can tell you that that was the beginning, and there were probably others before that that I don't remember, but that story happened early on in our church's existence, and there have been numerous, countless physical healings that have happened in our church as a result of people just laying on of hands and praying for the sick. We've had people, we've had, we had one young kid who had a rare uh, uh, disease in his brain that, I mean, was so rare that they didn't, they didn't even know what to do with him, that they, that they pronounced death over his life, that he was going to die. And we went and prayed for him in the hospital, and he's alive today. He's healed. Um, we've seen numerous people healed of immune diseases, of simple colds and sicknesses, uh, of ongoing diseases that God has miraculously stopped in its tracks uh, because of his grace and his power. She was one of our first healings, but we have seen multiple over the last 18 years. I tell the story again today to remind us of the works of God. We are called to remember the works of God because God does mighty works we cannot do. Amen? We are called to remember the works of God because God does mighty works that we cannot do. I could not save Meek Young's life. But Jesus Christ did. Jesus was so concerned about Meek Young that he spoke to her and me on the same morning. And he introduced us by the power of prayer in his word, so that she could come to know Jesus. We could not heal Tracy Priskinis. We don't heal her, Jesus does. But by the faith of his church, laying on of hands and believing that Christ is a miracle worker, Tracy threw away her crutches, got up and canceled her doctor's appointments because she felt completely healed after the prayer that happened with her on a Super Bowl party night. Isn't that much better? I don't even know who played that night. Probably the Patriots. Just, just, just guessing, since we've been in them quite a few times. But whether they won or not, really is of no significance compared to the healing work of God in her life on that night. We are called to remember the works of God because God does mighty works we cannot do. It reminds me of a, of a, of a story this morning. I want to focus on Joshua 4. The background of Joshua 4 is that the children of Israel... Um, have actually been wandering in the desert, living in the desert for 40 years after God had delivered them mightily from the hands of the Egyptians by the parting of the Red Sea. So the Red Sea had parted, the whole, uh, the whole lot of the children of Israel escaped uh, the pursuit of the army of the Egyptians. As a matter of fact, the army of the Egyptians was swallowed up in the Red Sea after the Israelites had crossed the sea. They had experienced an incredible deliverance. They had uh, then shortly after that they camped at, on Mount Sinai. Mount, at Mount Sinai, God gave them His very words to live by, His very commands. And then they get to the very precipice of the promised land, which God had promised that he was going to give to them. And they send in spies to spy out the land. And the spies come back, and 10 out of the 12 say, there is absolutely no way we should go in there. Those people are too big. They're too mighty. That land is ferocious. It'll eat us up. 
We can't go in there. And the people of Israel got fearful and afraid. There were only two spies that went in and said, we can beat those guys. Yeah, they're big, but we've got a bigger God. Yeah, they're intimidating, and it's exactly what the, the other spies said, but isn't God bigger? Isn't he greater than these people? Those two spies were Joshua and Caleb. I'll come back to them later. But the children of Israel decided to believe the ten spies, and as a result, God's anger burned against them, and they ended up, dwelt, they ended up living in the desert for 38 more years until almost all of that generation of people who did not have faith to go into the land died. That's a story in and of itself, but that's not my message this morning. My message is Joshua 4, because at Joshua 4, Joshua has now received the reins of leadership from Moses, and he has been called to lead the people into Canaan. And remember, Joshua is the one that thought they could do it the first time. So Joshua in, at Joshua in Joshua 4 leads the people across the Jordan. As a matter of fact, when they step into the Jordan with the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, the waters parted again. This was during flood season. This was a huge flooded river. And they, the waters stopped. All of the children of Israel walked through into Canaan. And when they got to the other side, Joshua says this. It says, verse 1, chapter 4, When all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Now choose twelve men, one from each tribe, and tell them, Take twelve stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan. Carry them out and pile them up at the place where you will camp tonight. So Joseph, jo- I mean, excuse me. So Joshua called together the twelve men he had chosen, one from each, each of the tribes of Israel. And he told them, Go into the middle of the Jordan, in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each of you must pick up one stone and carry it on your shoulder, twelve stones in all, one for each of the twelve tribes of Israel. We will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. So the men did as Joshua had commanded them. They took the twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan River, one for each tribe, just as the Lord had told Joshua. They carried them to the place where they camped for the night and constructed the memorial there. Joshua also set up another pile of 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan at the place where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant were standing, and they are there to this day. The priests who were carrying the Ark stood in the middle of the river until all of the Lord's commands that Moses had given to Joshua were carried out. Meanwhile, the people hurried across the riverbed, and when everyone was safely on the other side, the priests crossed over with the Ark of the Lord as the people watched. Verse 15. The Lord had said to Joshua, command the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant to come out of the riverbed. So Joshua gave the command, and as soon as the priests carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant came up out of the riverbed and their feet were on high ground, the water of the Jordan returned and overflowed its banks as before. The people crossed the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month. Then they camped at Gilgal just east of Jericho. Just a side note, that date was exactly 40 years to the day that they were delivered at the Red Sea. It was there at Gilgal that Joshua piled up the 12 stones taken from the Jordan River. 
Then Joshua said to the Israelites, In the future, your children will ask, What did these stones mean? Then you can tell them, This is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the river right before your eyes, and he kept it dry until you were all across, just as he did at the Red Sea when he dried it up until all all, all had crossed over. He did this so all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful. And so you might fear the Lord, your God, forever. Joshua declared that they build a memorial to remember. He declared for them to build a memorial with stones from the river. Why? Because he didn't want them to forget the works of God. He did not want them to forget the works of God. God had warned them before. In Deuteronomy 6.12, He said, Be careful not to forget the Lord who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. They had only, it had only been a couple of years from the Red Sea to the Jordan the first time when they forgot. They had been delivered from the Red Sea two years. They'd been at, to Mount Sinai. They'd seen the presence of God, the cloud of God. They'd seen other miracles. They'd gotten to the land and they saw their enemy and they forgot the power of God. They forgot the works of God. And so Joshua, under the command of the Lord, after they came through the river and are on the other side, in the very land that they're supposed to be afraid of, in the very land where the giants live, those giants haven't left, the circumstances haven't changed, but they've crossed into Canaan, into the land where they're going to have multiple battles and conflicts ahead of them, and they set up a memorial stone, a memorial to remind them that God is powerful and that He is with them. They forgot, and we forget. So they built a memorial. The, 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 the word memorial in, in, in this, the Hebrew word in, for memorial in this chapter means to remember. That's why we do memorials, to remember. That's why we sometimes build monuments to remember. September 11th, we built a memorial to remember what had happened there and what we, what we learned and what we wanted to accomplish as a nation going forward. More common than those kind of altars that are built, because most of us don't build those kind of altars. We build memorials, right? Through our memories and through our testimony of what Christ has done in our lives, in people's lives, and in the works of the church. We remember and we speak as a memorial, and we live as living memorials to what Christ has done. So this was to be a time with the children of Israel to be a time of remembering the works of God so that they remind us of God's power and so that we would fear the Lord forever. What are the memorials we set up in our own lives? What are the, what are the memorial works in our lives? What are the works of God that we want to remember? The first one we want to remember is what we've just talked about or what I talked about earlier. That's the work of salvation in our life. Deuteronomy 6.12, he said, Don't forget how I saved you out of the hands of the Egyptians. Psalm 103 says it this way. This is the psalmist um, 
praising. He said, let all that I am praise the Lord with my whole heart. I will praise his holy name. Let all that I, that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. Remembering the works of salvation in our life. Do you remember when God saved you? Do you rehearse that in your mind? Let's stop for a second and let's remember that time. And for those of you who are on a journey to find God, pause with us for a second. As many in the room remember the day, their me young day. What happened in your life? How did God get you to the place of acknowledging and understanding who Jesus was? Do you remember that day? There should be more smiles on our face if we remember that day. It's a glorious day. And we remember it, and we should remember it today so that we would be excited about telling somebody that story. When's the last time you told somebody about your salvation in Jesus? Just two weeks ago, I had the opportunity to share my story at BTA at Jonathan's school. And I shared with people the story of my broken past and how my brother walked me down the aisle so that I could meet Jesus for the first time in my life. And I shared it in much more detail. But as I've met numerous students over the last couple of weeks after I shared my story, I, they, they said, man, Pastor Richmond or Jonathan's dad or whatever they call me, it was so great to have you in chapel the other day. And I, I said, to, and you, what a great sermon. And I did with them what I do with some of you sometimes. I'm like, awesome. What was great about it? And they're like, uh, because uh, you're cool, you know. <laughs> Tell me something specific. And the one thing that they remembered more than anything else was the story of my salvation. What's your story? I remember the story of Monique, who came to church with friends uh, of hers that she, uh, that she had met at work. And she came the first Sunday she came. After the service, the Spirit of God was working in her life in we, I walk out of the church and I meet her in the parking lot and I'm about to go away and she asks me a question about the sermon. But I could tell that she was wanting to know Jesus. And so we spent the next 15 or 20 minutes in the parking lot talking about the life of Christ and she gave her heart to Jesus. A few years later, she moved out of Boston and she ended up going through the training school, uh, our discipleship training school in Waco, and then she ended up going to Haiti to live in Haiti for a couple of years, to minister to those that had, had, had suffered after the earthquake in Haiti. And now she's heading to Europe to be a part of the crisis this summer. Why? Because Jesus saved her life in a, in a worship service just like this. Do you remember the works of God of salvation in your life? And have you proclaimed that not only in thankfulness in your heart towards him, but are you telling your story? Another memorial that we use in our life is the reading and the belief of, of the Bible, the stories of the Word of God. That is a memorial to the Lord. Amen? We keep alive the belief of not only our belief that the Bible is God's spoken Word to us, but the reading of the Word of God and the telling of the Word of God because it tells of the works of God to us. De Deuteronomy eleven sixteen says, but be careful. Don't let your heart be deceived so that you turn away from the Lord and serve and worship other gods. If you do, 
The Lord's anger will burn against you. He will shut up the sky and hold back the rain, and the ground will fail to produce its harvest. Then you will quickly die in that good land the Lord is giving you. So commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these words of mine. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates so that as long as the sky remains above the earth, you and your children may flourish in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors. Be careful to obey all these commands I am giving you and show love to the Lord your God by walking in His ways and holding tightly to them. We set up memorial stones in our life and we live Uh, with a a constant remembrance of God by reading and meditating and studying the Word of God. And we tell the stories. Remember Hebrews 11? I won't go through it, but remember the writer of Hebrews does this. Remember, he tells the story and he does it really quickly. And he remembers the works of God through the faith of Adam, through the faith of Abel, through Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Joshua, Rahab the prostitute, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel and the prophets, and then numerous unknown saints that he says, that the writer says it this way, and by faith these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouth of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back from the dead. The writer of Hebrews said, I want to remind you of the faith and the works of God. And he goes through it. When I read those names, people who grew up in church or who have walked with God for the last few years, did stories come to mind? When I said Abraham and Noah and David and Joshua, there should be stories of faith that rise up in us. That our ancestors saw and experienced the power of God, so shall we. And not just the stories of the Bible, but also the stories of church history we should recount. We should live in the remembrance of the great Moravians who prayed for a hundred years for revival in their land and then went to the nations of the world to preach the gospel so convinced that God would do a great work which he did through them that they carried their caskets with them because they were willing to die where God had sent them. We should remember the stories of revivals throughout the centuries like the one in Wales where young people from 18 to 26 prayed in the basement of a church just like this and their faith was so sincere that God began a revival that struck that nation where people would walk down the streets and under the power of God would fall down and start weeping and confessing their sin and calling out for the salvation of Jesus because these young men and women were praying and they would meet at places like this unannounced with no time set aside and people would just start walking in and there would be 100 or 200 people in the room and then someone in the middle would start singing a song and they'd worship God. Someone would preach and revival would would break out. So much so that bars were shut down and turned into Bible studies and soccer stadiums were filled not not to watch a soccer game but to see revival. We should tell and remember the stories of God. And I could go on for three hours but I won't telling you about all the great things that are happening, not just in the past, but today, as as believers in the Middle East, or people are coming to know the Lord in the Middle East through dreams and visions of Jesus at the foot of their bed, or walking with Him in the middle of the street, inviting them to come to know Him and to be saved. We have the greatest revival 
uh, in the Middle East that has ever been recorded happening today. Even in the midst of all of the atrocities that are happening um, at the hands of ISIS and other violent regimes, Jesus is saving hundreds and thousands of people by the power of God. We remember the works of God because God does mighty works we cannot do. We cannot do those things, but God can. What is your personal story? What is our corporate story? God continues to do works. Early on in our movement at CFI, a lady came into the church in Brighton, the first church, and she said, you're you're like the Marines. We were like, what does that mean? I like that, but I'm not sure. I go a lot of different directions. You're a lean, mean, fighting machine. There's not a lot of you, but there's a power here of conviction and faith that can change the world. Do you believe that today? That that's true of this church? I believe it. We've never, been, we've never had a church in our movement over 400 people, but we've now established four churches in the United States and seven teams of works overseas, reaching thousands of people with the gospel. I remember when we started the River Church, uh, we started with about 30 adults. We met in the movie theater, and God walked me past this building, which was the Moose Lodge, as you can see with the moose out here. And it was for sale. And I said, Lord, I want to see a church established in Waltham that will be just like the first mission statement that we had when we started our first church. A diverse people, full of faith in God, compassionately reaching the world around us. Can I get an amen? Look around you. Is this a diverse people, full of faith in God? And are we compassionately reaching Moody and the places around us? God is answering our prayers. And I said, God, would you not let us just be a temporary moving through a group of people, but Lord, would you give us a permanence in this location? He says, well, what if I just give you the Moose Lodge? And so he did. And we had a prophetic word when we moved into the Moose Lodge that there were, uh, uh, the, the prophetic word is that, that they could see just ugly, dark, sinful things coming out of the basement of this building. Things that just were just um, abominable to speak or to proclaim, but that the picture of that basement being redeemed by a church in this building was a picture of God and what he was going to do in Waltham, that the things of the darkness that had held Waltham under control, God was going to bring a church to break the chains and deliver the people and set people free. Amen? Is he doing that? He's doing that. And so that's what we want to be a part of, and we want to remember the works of God like one specific young man, or not young man, I mean young man because I'm young, it's my age, man, however you want to call it, young. Mr. Michael Ethier, I'll just share his story of how he was living on the streets, living in addiction, and he meets his angel, Brittany Lathrop, working at Lizzie's. She was so kind and sweet to him that he didn't know what to do about it. And she was so kind and God-centered that she said, why don't you come to church? He started coming to church. He worshiped with us for weeks, living living sometimes in, in some of our homes and sometimes in our yards during the warm weather. And one day while we showed a, showed a video of, of a, a man coming out of a prison cell, he said, that's me. And he received the gospel and he got saved. And then later on in his life, he got delivered from 
his drug addiction, went through the Teen Challenge program, and now is walking with, as a, with a full-time job, an apartment and a car, living for Jesus, influencing the world for Christ. Isn't that awesome? I told, I told Dan, I said, Dan, I need help finishing my sermons. Come on up at 11.15 and give me the shepherd's hook. So this is Dan giving me the shepherd's hook. But I'll move, I'll move to the end of my message with this thought. We have memorials to build today. We have memorials to build today, people. We have memorials to build today as we look back and we thank God for our salvation. And we look back and we thank God. Anybody been healed by the power of God in here? Raise your, look around. Just before you, before you lower your hand, look around. When you think, I don't know if God heals today. Well, tell, I don't know, 60 or 70 people in the room just here that they're wrong. But they're not. Because God heals. We need to build a memorial today of the works of God in our life and say, God, thank you for saving me. Thank you for healing me. Lord, thank you for the stories of the people's lives that were just raised up. Some theologians, though, think that one of the reasons that Joshua, God had Joshua build stones, build a memorial on that side of the river was not just to look back, but, to was, was, but was to encourage them of the, of the works that they were about to establish in God. Not to just give thanks for what has happened, but to encourage them to have more memorial stone stories. This was the beginning for the children of Israel of great stories like walking around Jericho and seeing the walls fall down. God has more miracles and more stories for us. That's why we're in this look campaign as a church. That's this last part of our, our deep campaign. We're going to be looking, looking back as we're doing today, looking in, but ultimately looking out and saying, God, what kind of memorial stones will we be building in five to seven years? What are we going to be declaring and celebrating five years from now? So we want to set up, we want to set up memorial today and say, God, we trust you that remembering the works of God leads us to understand that you have works that only you can do in our life. What's your memorial this morning? Do you need a memorial set up because you're here and you want to know Jesus and be saved? Let's set that, let's set that memorial up this morning. Do you have a memorial where you need a healing in your life? And you want this day to be the testimony when somebody says, I remember back in April of 2016, I was healed by God. Or do you have a deliverance in your work, finances, relationships? Let's set some memorial stones up today and let's believe for the works of God to not only happen now,